0: Alright, as I mentioned, special guest, a lot of you know my father, Rabbi Neil Lash, was a Messianic rabbi. If you're like, what's a Messianic rabbi? It is a rabbi like the first disciples who are from Jewish backgrounds that believe Jesus is the promised Yeshua. Jesus is the promised Messiah. And so this is my brother and friend, Rabbi Matt Rosenberg from Seattle. Everybody want to say, hey, Rabbi Matt. Rabbi Matt is going to bring the word. That was a good intro warm-up. Can y'all stand to your feet and give warm South Florida welcome to Rabbi Matt Rosenberg as he brings the word. Fuego!
1: Oh, you can sit down now. Thanks. Well, John said, uh, I'm from Seattle. I am uh, hyperactive and super energetic, but when I hang around John, I feel like I'm not. Uh, the, uh, people, people respond to me the way I respond to John, which is like, I didn't know it was that exciting. Um, so I'm super glad to be here, honored to be here. Um, John and I reconnected. We've known each other most of our lives, but we reconnected on a trip to Ethiopia. Uh, with Jewish Voice Ministries, um, and uh, in 2014, then not too long ago, we were roommates on another trip to Africa, and uh, we both got super sick. There's nothing like a friendship like throwing up and having diarrhea together, (laughs) really. So for about 24 hours, we would, you know, one of us would wake up and be like, are you still alive? Yeah, okay, I'm going back to sleep. And this uh, area of Ethiopia, when we were in, oh, baby. That, it was one of the scariest toilets I've ever seen, I'm going to be honest. Uh, and it's like, you know, when, you're, when I was young, I was like, I am totally called to missions. And then I got there, and I was like, I like toilets too much. <laughs> Clean, nice, nothing dripping on you while you're sick oh baby and uh you know the lash family uh so there's this other kind of little world called messianic judaism uh of jewish people who believe in jesus and uh john's parents neil and jamie are like legendary people you know she came up and shared a little bit uh, at the beginning uh and the reason why they're legendary to me is because of their faithfulness. It, it's like it, it, when you carry through as much as they've carried through. And um, I'm going to show you a little, uh, a little bit from the scriptures. I wrote a book actually called, uh, my first book is called Jesus Never Said Anything New. And some of you are like, that can't be right. I know. That's why I titled it that way. My hope is, you're gonna be like, that can't be right. I have to check and then go buy the book, right? That's, doesn't matter if you read it, just kidding. Um, But it's about the Jewish context of Jesus because people know, most people know in this generation, I, I know Jesus was Jewish and that's part of the problem. He still is currently Jewish. It's not just that he was Jewish, that his disciples were Jewish. It's that um, in the presence of God, the one who sits at the right hand of the Father, Yeshua, our Messiah, Jesus, is still currently Jewish. Now, why does that matter to people who are not Jewish? Excellent question. I'm glad you asked. It matters because when we don't understand the context of what is being discussed in the Gospels, the conclusions we come to are different than what they thought and understood. There's nothing that Jesus taught in the first century that was outside of the boundaries of first century Judaism. In fact, all the other rabbis taught all the same things. You never see someone in the Gospels, anybody who ever responds to Jesus, nobody ever says, Wow, that was totally brand new. I've never heard that before. We should start a new religion. We'll call it Christianity. It'll be this big thing. We'll have big buildings in the future, right? There's nobody. They respond not to the content that he teaches, but the authority with which he speaks. Right? One, one rabbi has an opinion of this, one rabbi has opinion. See, part of the difference between Judaism and Christianity is in Judaism, um, we have rabbis who read one verse and completely disagree with each other, and then they're both right. The, the joke is, wherever there's uh, three, uh, two Jews, there's three opinions. I was with another Matt. I was with Hyland Sobotkin, our, our friend is a Messianic rabbi in the Seattle area. And he corrected me. And he said, actually, wherever there's three Jews, there's four opinions. And nope, didn't land? OK. I said three, two Jews, three opinions. He corrected me with another opinion about the, OK. If you have to describe the jokes, they don't really work. You guys are going to have to work with me a little bit as we go. Or I preach better when you laugh. Okay, um, so when it comes to context of, of who Jesus is, and Neil and Jamie, so long ago, with so many of my, my dad is also a Messianic rabbi uh, in New York, and the battles that their generation had to fight, um, I don't have to fight, and my kids don't have to fight. And when they started Uh, having synagogues and services on Saturday, and we started doing, you know, there were Jewish people, our family and friends, who said, if you start following Jesus, you're not Jewish, which is weird, right? Because everybody in the New Testament is Jewish. (laughs) And then there were Christians and pastors who, who led my parents' generation to the Lord who said, you know, if you can leave all the Jewish things behind and just become a Christian and have a ham sandwich and do your thing. And so everybody was telling them, you shouldn't do what you feel like God has told you to do. And there's something happening in our generation where people are understanding the Jewish context of Jesus, and it's helping us understand the words that he said. So in my book, I talk about things like the Good Samaritan and um, the different conversations he has with the Pharisees. And most of the time what we say those conversations are about miss the point entirely. For instance, Jesus uh, tells a a story uh, where he says, you know, he's asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, not new, because all the other rabbis of the first century taught the same thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, do you know that the Ten Commandments in Jewish tradition, uh, all we know from the text is that he gave Moses two tablets. (laughs) He's the first one to download to his tablet from the cloud. (laughs) That was a dad joke. My son Ty's here with me. He's ten. He can't Take my dad jokes, which is why I keep telling them. Um, But the Ten Commandments in Jewish tradition, it's believed that first five commandments are on one tablet and the second tablet have the other five. And when you break down the reason for the five and the five, is the first five are about love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And the other five are about love your neighbor as yourself. That's like at least 500 years before Jesus. uh, We were all ready. And and so he tells the story of the Good Samaritan, and people come out in sermons. I've preached it. We've, We've all preached it. We've all heard it. People didn't know who their neighbor was. And so Jesus had to correct them and tell them, who their neighbor was. But that is just not true. We already knew we were to love God and were to love our neighbor as ourselves, and that everyone was our neighbor. So why does Jesus tell the story? Because some of the people he was speaking to knew everything that they were supposed to know, but they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. So he takes a Samaritan, who is part Jewish, by the way, and he makes the Samaritan in the story the one who does what they're supposed to do with the knowledge that they already have. Samaritan doesn't know, but he knows how to take care of somebody when they're beaten up and bloody in the street. And you should know. So it's more like the story of the Good Samaritan is not to tell us who our neighbor is. And it's not to tell us that the Pharisees were legalistic and doing everything wrong. No, it's you, those of you who are already followers of Jesus... Know what you're supposed to do in loving your neighbor as yourself. So why aren't we doing it? And Jesus comes and he says, "Who's the most unlikely person for you?" This isn't even my sermon, so we, we got to figure. We're gonna have to figure that out in a second. Uh, we, Who's the most unlikely person for you, who Jesus would put in the place of the Samaritan to remind you that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing with what you already know. Maybe it's a Republican, maybe it's a Democrat, maybe it's Trump, Maybe it's Biden. Maybe it's uh, a leader of the Black Lives Matter movement that you may not agree with on every point. Maybe it's a police officer. Maybe it's any side of any argument. Who's the person that he would use to point to you that if they could do it, not having the knowledge that you have, but they know what to do, then why aren't you doing? Uh, it's it's there's so many stories and so many things that Jesus teaches that his Jewish audience understands completely different message than what you and I have understood over two thousand years after he taught them because context has been removed it's been lost and people make stuff up when they don't have context right it's the point of social media we just we just make stuff up and spew it out there and then argue about Things we don't know. Like, do you guys, you guys remember the Allen Iverson? Am I too old? Does anybody know who Allen Iverson is? Okay, basketball player. And there's this video for years is played on, and he says, man, we're talking about practice. We're not even talking about a game because he had missed a practice, and they kept asking him why he missed the practice. And he said, we're not talking about my performance in a game. We're talking about practice. And then they add, and he's like, we're not even talking about a game. We're talking about practice. And this video's been viral for like 10 years, at least 10 years. And I read an article just the other day that the reason why he was so frustrated in that uh, press conference had nothing to do with the game. And it had nothing to do with practice. It had to do with one of his best friends got murdered and he missed practice, and they keep asking him about this practice, and he was in his frustration, and it's just like, oh, of course he was. He was mourning. Like, now it's hard to laugh at the video when people share it because I'm thinking, man, I just, how he must have felt. Context means everything. And if we don't have context, we miss everything. So there's a Jewish context to the New Testament because the New Testament is not the Christian Bible. It is a continuation of the Hebrew Scriptures. It's a part of the story of the people of Israel. It's a part of the story of God fulfilling his promises to Jewish people because he promised to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 that we would be a blessing to the nations how are we a blessing to the nations by giving the nations Jesus who whose name by the way it, he never heard Jesus in his 33 years on earth because um, he didn't speak English Let's track with me I know it's good, it's hard but track with me um, he he didn't speak English His mother named him Yeshua. And when you see it, when the angel appears uh, to Joseph and tells him what to name his son, he says, you will name him, in English, it says you will name him Jesus because he will save his people. Who are his people? The Jewish people. But in Hebrew, we understand he's actually saying Yeshua means salvation. So the angel said, you will name him salvation because he will save his people. Jesus isn't the wrong name of Yeshua. It's just his name in English. But the context of an angel speaking in Hebrew to an Israelite in the first century saying, your son will be the one who will save our people. There's just so much context. So, uh, Jamie said earlier in the service that tomorrow night is the start of Shavuot. Shavuot, some of you know as Pentecost. Shavuot is a Hebrew for weeks. And it, in Greek, Pentecost means 50 days. So in Hebrew, it's called weeks because the scriptures tell us in, I got to skip a whole bunch of my notes, hold on, Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 15 says, from after the day, The day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, you're to count seven full weeks. You're going to count 50 days up to the day after the seventh Sabbath and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. So Passover, which you're all familiar with, is where the death and resurrection of Jesus happened during Passover. But the day after, the day the children of Israel left Egypt, we start counting 50 days, according to the Torah, the commandments that God gave us in Leviticus, we count 50 days from the Passover, which is the harvest... Where we take the wheat, we harvest the wheat, and 50 days later, we give the first fruits of that offering as an offering to the Lord. And so the resurrection is not, sometimes in the context of church, right, the, there's this big drive towards Easter, the, the resurrection, and, and then you go back to normal, life. But, but in Jewish practice, the, the day after Jesus rose from the dead, which is the same day that the children of Israel left Egypt, we start counting 50 days. They're called the days of the Omer, the days of the offering. And it's the first 40 of those 50 days that Jesus appears resurrected to his disciples. It actually took us 50 days when we left Egypt to get to Mount Sinai. So the same time it took the children of Israel when we were freed from slavery in Egypt, the same 50 days before we got to Mount Sinai are the same days that Jesus rose and appeared resurrected to his disciples and then on the 40th day ascended into heaven and then on the day of Pentecost which the reason why it's in Greek is because the rabbis translated the Hebrew scriptures into Greek because Jews in the Greek world were not speaking Hebrew. They were speaking Greek. And so the Septuagint is a Jewish translation of the Hebrew scriptures into Greek where we get the word Pentecost because the rabbis called it 50 days Because Shavuot is seven weeks, 49 days, plus one day, 50 days, right? Shavuot means week, Pentecost means 50 days, but they're both referencing these important 50 days. And Jesus and his disciples were counting these days because they kept the Torah, And in counting these days, they stayed in Jerusalem. It's interesting. There's three harvest festivals in the Torah that are given to the Jewish people. They are Passover, the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot, and the Feast of Tabernacles, which comes in the fall, is the end of the harvest, Sukkot and all three of those festivals, we are commanded to be in Jerusalem. So let me just ask you a practical question. If you live in the Galilee, which is the most northern part of Israel, and they didn't have Uber, right? They had donkeys. I just did a message on do not covet, and the commandment says, Do not covet your neighbor's donkey. And you're like, I've never, <laughs> never coveted my neighbor's donkey. But I think the modern interpretation is do not covet your neighbor's Nikes, right? These are Giannis Antetokounmpo's. Pay attention. I know I'm a short, fat rabbi, but we like basketball, too. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. So, if you live in the Galilee, it takes several days to get to Jerusalem for Passover. If the next holiday is only 50 days later, you're probably going to stay. So when Jesus ascends on the 40th day and he says, guys, stay here in Jerusalem. They were all like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, we were gonna do that. Too late to go home, it's only 10 days from now. We're not gonna get all the way back and then come all the way back down here for the day of Shavuot. Now in Jewish tradition, the day of Shavuot is the giving of the Torah uh, to Moses on Mount Sinai. The problem is in the text, it's not explicit. It never says you will celebrate this day as the day that I gave the commandments to Moses. It's really about the harvest. So one rabbi, uh, Ronald Isaac says it this way. In the course of time, a new theme was added to Shavuot namely the commemoration of the giving of the torah on mount sinai this celebration originated in the exilic uh, exilic period of jewish history that's 500 years before jesus the festival gained a new contemporary motif when the rabbis linked shavuot with the appearance of god at mount sinai when god revealed his will to Moses and the children of Israel. So it doesn't say in the text on Shavuot you will celebrate the giving of the law to Moses. But because Yeshua is 500 years after that was already believed in jewish tradition it is explicit in the new testament that jesus and his disciples along with the rest of the jewish world in the first century observed the day of shavuot as the day that moses was given the torah for the jewish people and nahum sarna a Jewish, in a Jewish commentary on the Torah, says, the arrival at Mount Sinai inaugurates the culminating stage in the process of forging Israel's national identity and spiritual destiny. So Shavuot becomes about revelation of God's presence. And we understand that the giving of the Torah, which is 1,500 years before Jesus, is celebrated on the day of Shavuot, 50 days after Passover. If you need to fall asleep during all this, it's totally cool. I'll just wake you up when I encourage you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But what... What is explicit in the New Testament is that Yeshua and his disciples, with the rest of first century Judaism, believed that the Torah was given on Shavuot. So the reason why Jewish people gather in Jerusalem, in the temple courts, on the day of Shavuot, is because... We believe it's the day that the Torah was given to Moses and the Spirit of God descended on a mountain in a cloud and revealed himself. Right? Passover, he set Israel free from slavery. Shavuot is when we become his people. And he becomes our God. The Torah for us is a con- It's more important than the Constitution. Depending on where you are in the country, that's like, well, honey, we're leaving. The, the Torah is more important than the Constitution. It's part of our definition of who we are as a people. We belong to the Lord. And the Lord belongs to us. The dilemma... And you've, maybe you've said this and maybe you've heard this before, is for many Christians, if Mount Sinai was the birth of the Jewish people, then Acts chapter 2 is the birth of the church. So many times people, pastors and commentaries, they say, Acts chapter 2 is the beginning of the church. Acts chapter 2 is the start of the church. Acts chapter 2 is the start. And what I want you to understand is God doesn't start things in the middle of the story. Especially when the thing that's happening to them is happening to them on the very same day that they believe. In fact, the reason why they're standing in the temple courts, which is the closest place you can get to where the presence of God dwells in the Holy of Holies in the temple, the reason why we're there, the reason why Jewish people are there, is because God told us, to be. And there's an expectation that he will do something on the day of Shavuot. So the Holman Bible handbook says that the church was inaugurated at Pentecost as God's New society. Or Millard Erickson says in, in Christian theology, the church is the new Israel. It occupies the place in the new covenant that Israel occupied in the old. Whereas in the Old Testament, the kingdom of God was peopled by national Israel. In the New Testament, it's peopled by the church. <sighs> but that's not what Luke says in Acts. Acts. And it's not what any of the original followers of Yeshua believed. They didn't believe that something new was happening to them. So I want to show you in Acts chapter 2 in verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost, right, 50 days after Passover, the day of Shavuot, because we just counted the 50 days that God commanded us to count. When the day of Pentecost came, they were gathered together in one place. Acts chapter one, the disciples have to replace Judas because that didn't work out. <laughs> so they replace him and they draw lots, which is a really funny way to replace an apostle. By the way, is like shortest straw becomes the twelfth apostle, um, and that happens in an upper room. Where's the one place Jewish people gather on the day of Shavuot, the day that's believed to be the giving of the Torah? The temple courts. There's a move from the upper room, right? We say all the time, they were filled with tongues of fire in the upper room. Look at the text yourself. The upper room happens before. The one place... That the Jewish people gather in the first century is the temple courts. Okay, Matt, why does that matter? That seems like a small issue. And it, well, it could be. But uh, at verse 5 of Acts 2, it says, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Do you know that in Acts chapter 2, there's no Gentiles present? It's only Jewish people. In fact, the Holy Spirit, this is arguable. If you want to argue about it, I'll be available after the service. The the first filling of the Holy Spirit by a non-Jewish person, by a Gentile, which just means from the nations that are not Israel, is 10 years later in Acts chapter 10, with Cornelius and his house. It takes another nine years for the disciples to gather to answer the question 19 years after the resurrection What do we do about Gentiles? Because this thing's picking up man. I mean we're preaching the gospel And all these people from all these other places are turning to Yeshua, but do they have to be Jewish There's a whole council and there's only Jews at the council and they're arguing over, which is so weird that 2000 years later, we deal with the flip side of the question, which is people meet me and I, I, I'm a, are you Jewish? Yeah. Actually, I'm a rabbi. Oh, you're a rabbi. Oh, that's cool. Uh, What kind of rabbi? Here we go. I'm a messianic rabbi. What's that? I believe in Jesus. You're not Jewish. You're not. You're not Jewish. You're a Christian. The only place, the only two places that the word Christian, the Greek word for Christian are used in the New Testament is in reference to Jewish people. It's in Acts 11, verse 26, and in First Peter, uh, chapter 4, when he's saying to Jewish believers, if people call you a Christian because they're mocking you, Because it means follower of who they believe is the Christ, but he's not, right? Like, if they mock you, but it doesn't mean not Jewish to anybody in the first century. Because everything they did was in connection to the things they already knew. So, what I want you to understand, what's happening in Acts chapter 2, is there's two events in Jewish history that happen on the same day, 15, 1,500 years apart from each other and nowhere in Acts chapter 2 do any of the Jewish people in the temple courts while Peter's preaching in Hebrew on the day of Shavuot, which is the day we believe the, whole, the, the Torah was given to our people and we're in the temple courts because we want to be as close to the presence of God as we can because the presence of God showed up on Mount Sinai and he's gonna show up on, do you know what mountain the Temple Mount is on? Where the temple is in Jerusalem, it's called Mount Moriah. The reason why we built the first temple and the second temple on Mount Moriah is because it's where Abraham almost sacrificed Isaac. It's the same place. So so the God of Israel shows up to the Jewish people on a mountain, Mount Sinai, And here we are again, Jerusalem, the temple is on the top of a mountain. The mountain where it all started, that's actually the beginning, by the way. The beginning of the people of God can't be in the middle of the story. It's got to be more towards the beginning of the story. I don't know if you're familiar with how stories work, but there's, (laughs) there's there's a beginning where God makes a people his people. And the invitation, what, what, what's happening for the disciples is they understood with everything that was happening in the temple courts to them on the day of Shavuot, that God was revealing himself to them on a mountain in Jerusalem the same way he revealed himself to Moses on Mount Sinai. If you need it to rhyme To help you remember, nothing new happened in Acts chapter 2. The theme of Shavuot, this important day on the Jewish calendar and for the people of God that has been lost for so many, is it was a revelation in Exodus 19. It's a revelation of identity. The Jewish people receive the Torah, and Israel becomes God's people. Exodus 19:5 says it this way: "If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation." These are the words you're to speak to the Israelites. So if Sinai is a revelation of identity, Acts 2 on Mount Moriah in the temple courts of Jerusalem, it's a revelation of authority. The Jewish people are the ones who receive the Holy Spirit first. For about Ten years later, and then they even figure out that what, me, what that means about nine years later for the coming expansion of God's people to any Gentile from any nation who calls on the name of Jesus. I mean, think about what happened in your life 20 years ago. A lot of things happen in 20 years. There's a lot of processing and a lot of uh, questions. But Peter preaches in Acts chapter 2, verse 36. He says, Therefore... Only preaching to Jewish people. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be Immersed, baptized, every one of you in the name of Yeshua the Messiah for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 is not the first time the Holy Spirit shows up. Acts chapter 2 isn't the giving of the Holy Spirit in a way the Holy Spirit wasn't given before. Acts chapter 2 is the readiness of the hearts of the people to receive what God has always wanted us to receive. He moves in power, and then it says, Peter says in chapter 2 and verse 39, the promise is for you, the Jewish people standing there in the temple courts on the day of Shavuot. It's for your children. <laughs> and it's for everyone else who's far off. Everyone that God will call. Like everyone that God will call. That everyone who are far off, Gentiles, the way it talks about in the scripture, Jews are near to God because of the covenant on Mount Sinai. Gentiles are far away from God. It's uh, maybe, I don't know if you are Sesame Street people, but it's Grover. Near, (laughs) far, near, far. The point is not that it's a judgment on either groups. The point is he's going to bring them all near. And the Jewish people are the vehicle for the salvation of the nations. So the Jewish people receive what was promised to us. See, the problem is if it's the start of something new, then God's done with what happened before. But God can't be done with the Jewish people because if he's done with the Jewish people, then who's to say he won't be done with you? It's a fulfillment of God's promises and prophecies that the Jewish people would respond first. It's the pattern. It's the pattern of the disciples to preach to Jewish people first and then to the Gentiles. And they didn't know how. It took them 20 years to figure it out. It took them 20 years to go, should they? I mean, do we have to circumcise them? Because that would be super uncomfortable for everybody. Do they have to become Jews and and do all the things that we do? And 20 years after the resurrection, the brother of Yeshua, James, whose name is actually Jacob, says, no, they don't become Jews. It's a fulfillment of Amos who said, He will rebuild the fallen tent of David, but he will also call out to Gentiles all the ones that God has named for himself. He will bring them back. It was a process of revelation. So the revelation in Exodus is, at the giving of the Torah, is identity of the Jewish people. The revelation in Acts chapter 2 is a revelation of authority to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Check this out. Acts chapter 1 8, you, you're very familiar with it. 10 days before Shavuot, the 40th day after the resurrection, Jesus is talking to his disciples right before he takes off into the sky. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The day he rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples resurrected. He breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. This isn't the first time. So what is the power of the Holy Spirit. What's the next sentence? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know, this verse is actually a summary of the entire book of Acts. I'll show you how um, the book of Acts. I gotta find it in my notes because I'm way off my notes. The breakdown of the chapters of the book of Acts follow this pattern. The first few chapters are in Jerusalem. Acts one through seven. Acts 8 to 10, the disciples preach the gospel in Judea and Samaria. And from Acts 11 to the end of the book, Acts 28 is Paul preaching the gospel in Rome, the ends of the earth. I live and preach in Seattle. You cannot get further from Jerusalem. Then Seattle, Washington, a little closer to Jerusalem, is South Florida. But it's, it's the ends of the earth to the point that the disciples and Yeshua didn't even, well, Yeshua knew. The disciples didn't even know the land was here. It was outside of their scope. The ends of the earth meant Turkey and Greece And maybe as they started to become aware, some of the apostles like Thomas goes into India, like in church history, they go into all these. That's the ends of the earth. They didn't even imagine that this part of the earth was here. But Jesus knew that the gospel would go from Jerusalem, which, by the way, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria are are full of Jewish people. The ends of the earth. Well, that's us. That's you. And in our day, in the same way that the Holy Spirit enabled the disciples to be witnesses, you know, I don't know where people stand on the gift of tongues. I I don't actually care. I believe in it. I think it's real. It's just not what happened in Acts 2. What happened in Acts 2 is Peter preaches in Hebrew, and Jewish people from every nation on earth who don't speak Hebrew hear him preaching in their own language. The Holy Spirit translated not the gift of angels he translated hebrew into everything else and they stand there in acts chapter 2 and they thi- and it said aren't these guys from the galilee like the galilees the worst <laughs> like but i know he's not speaking my language but i understand every word he's saying because they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. So that when we talk to people, this isn't about a person on a stage with a microphone just preaching. It's about if we are filled with the Spirit, when we speak to people about the things of God, the Holy Spirit enables them to understand. And we think, how could they get it? How could they understand? How could they, man, how how do I preach to people that I totally disagree with or totally disagree with me? How, How could I speak to people about the things of God if their context is so far away from the things of God? The power of the Holy Spirit. And we are all filled with the Spirit when we accept Jesus as our Messiah. And there's all different views of what the infilling of the Spirit means and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all these, but but just pause for a second and go back to the text. I will give, when the power of the Holy Spirit falls on you, you will be witnesses of what you have seen. And when the power of the Holy Spirit falls on us, we can be witnesses. The problem is you don't always keep it. You need to be refilled with it. I'm gonna bring John up here for a second because I, I had this thought. I've had like the most stressful, most stressful last month and a half that I think I've ever had in my life. And while I was working on this message, I found myself just a couple of days ago sitting at my kitchen table with my hands on my head saying, I, I can't do it, Lord. I can't even, I don't feel equipped. I can't. How can I preach when all this stuff is happening and in my family and in my city and in my, like, I can't, there's this Seattle Public School System decided at the end of the pandemic that kids could go back to school, but only for three hours a-, a day, but there won't be any transportation. So if you want your kids to go back to school, Lord have mercy, please send them back to school. Sorry, son. Please. Right? I got to drop them off at 1130 and pick them up at 230 while I try to work. So I got to work on Zoom from home, then I got to pick my kids up, and my wife's in school to become a chef, and she's doing awesome, but that means I got to reorganize my, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. And if if John represents the Holy Spirit, which is not because he's an anointed pastor, and you shouldn't question his anointing, but because he's just going to play the Holy Spirit, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I, I can't make it, Lord. I I can't make it. I have to make my own decisions, and I, I just, I can't make it. I, I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know what to do with my stress. I don't know. I just, I got to figure it out. I know. I got i got to pray more. I'm going to pray more, and I'm going to fast for 50 days and hopefully lose weight while I'm doing it. But I'm going to fast because cause, cause this is, like, super stressful. And I just, I just don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. How could I? I can't preach. Like, the way I yell at my kids, I can't preach. Like, how can I stand up in front of people and, pre- and preach? I just got to figure it out. And the whole time, the Holy Spirit's just tracking with you, though, but you can't see him, and you don't even know he's there, and we didn't even ask. And I'm preaching this message, and I, and I think I, I got I to gotta figure out I gotta make it, I gotta do it. I man, so many people depend on on whether I do this right. Like people are gonna be hurt if I if I don't like if if I resign because of pressure, like that I, I don't and the whole time the Lord's like, I'll give you the power of the Holy Spirit to stop saying you gotta figure it out. You You don't have to figure anything out. The same spirit that breathed life into our Messiah's dead body and brought him back to life to never die again is available to you and me in the power of the Holy Spirit. But what we do with the power of the Holy Spirit is we limit to the gifts of tongues and the gifts of prophecy. And those things are all... Part evidences of the filling of the Holy Spirit, but the power of the Holy Spirit is for you to be a witness that you can't do it on your own. And, and if you're not Jewish, part of the witness is this isn't even a story about my people, but I get to be part of the story because of the death and resurrection and ascension of the God of Israel. The Messiah for the Jewish people who also can be mine. So I can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the power to be witnesses. Which is why it says, Acts 2 verse 46, day by day, they continued with one mind. This is the end of the experience in the temple courts on the day of Shavuot. They continued to spend time at the temple and break bread from house to house, and they were sharing meals with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day, the Lord was adding to their numbers daily. This is not a church growth strategy. This is not to make our congregations bigger. This is the power of the Holy Spirit enables us to testify of the things the Spirit of God has done. And when we testify of the things the Spirit of God has done, people want to know why. People want to know how. People want to know how are you getting through all the things you need to get through. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And people, you, whether you've ever been filled with the Spirit of God before, can be filled with the Holy Spirit today. Maybe you, like me, have been filled with the Holy Spirit over and over again since you were five years old. And you felt it and then you definitely knew when you weren't filled with the Spirit of God. You can also be filled. It's never permanent. It won't be permanent until all things are done and we're in the presence of God and we don't need to pray anymore because we'll just be in his presence but in the meantime you can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to testify concerning Yeshua so God can add to our numbers daily those who are turning to him it's why Jesus said to 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 his disciples in Acts 1 and verse 8 and it's still true for us today you will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, which is where we live. That 2,000 years later, God is still willing to give us the power of the Holy Spirit for you and me to be witnesses. Look, I've grown up a believer, right? For so many times of my life, the power of the Holy Spirit just meant I, I need more gifts. I need more stuff. I need, I need more prophecy. I need people to pray over me and tell me what my purpose is. I need people to, 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 to help. I just need God to do more f- for me. And he does. But the whole reason why God does anything for you so that in the power of the Holy Spirit, you can say to others what he did for me, he will do for you more than you could ever hope or imagine in the name of Yeshua. So I'm going to pray for you and then Pastor John's going to come. Lord, we want the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not all evangelists who are going to stand on stages and preach. That's not the only gift of the Spirit. But there are people in our lives, and in our families, in our friend circles, uh, 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 people that we connect with who need the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, would you fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit? On this day of Shavuot that starts tomorrow night, on the same day that the Torah was given to Israel and the same day the Holy Spirit was given to the Jewish people in the temple courts in Jerusalem, 1,500 years later, so 2,000 years removed, you still want to fill people with the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you do that for us? in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can
0: we give it up one time for Rabbi Matt? Hey, we're gonna, thank you so much, Matt. We're, we're gonna close exactly like that. Why don't we all stand to our feet? If I could get some of our prayer partners up here. You know, Matt, I'm thinking about if the first revelation is about identity and the second revelation is about authority. Jesus, Yeshua said to his disciples, that he gave them authority. He said they would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. They would, all these supernatural things. Jesus said, in fact, you're going to do greater things than you even saw me doing because I'm going to go to the Father. And I'm going to send the Spirit. And so if you're here, if you're watching online and you just need a miracle from God, Maybe it's some sort of a a, a miracle in your body, some sort of a healing, a supernatural touch. Maybe it's some sort of a miracle in a broken relationship. Maybe it's some sort of a miracle in regard to direction where you don't know where where to turn. Maybe you're like, man, it's been a while. I need to be filled with God's spirit. Maybe if it's like, man, I've been thinking about this and reading about Acts and praying about this. Whatever you need, I think God wants to meet some needs in supernatural ways. And I would encourage you as IG leads us in this final song to come forward and receive prayer. If you're online, you can request prayer right there in the chat. At the very end, I'm gonna have Rabbi Matt close us out in a benediction, but let's sing together. And if you need prayer, why don't you come forward now?